0: We're in Romans chapter 2, and we're going to be reading in verses 12 through 24. This is the word of God. For all who have sinned without the law also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they don't have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges... Having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God, by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for the singing of your church. God, we lift up our praises to you as the only one who's worthy of our worship. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Death could not hold him and the grave couldn't keep him. Lord God, you silence the boast of sin and death and the grave. And God, my heart goes out to many in our church right now who are dealing with death. There's been a lot of Tragedy. There's been a lot of funerals. There's been a lot of death, even just in the last few weeks. And God, even for a family at 830 service in a very fresh way, dealing with a very tragic situation. God, so we lift up all in our church who need the hope of Jesus Christ. We are not meant to be here, God. We, we are residents and aliens and strangers and sojourners and our citizenship is in heaven, but God, we just need hope in hard times. So God, I pray over our church that you would just minister to each person. Give joy, give security in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Bring the gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would just speak to us through this passage. We are so inconsistent. As sinners, we are consistently inconsistent, and we feel it. So God, lead us through the truth of your word. Save those who don't know you as Savior. And Lord, would you please build up the saint in Christ's name? Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome. Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 24 is where we're going to be this morning. Romans 2. And we'll be studying uh, verses 12 to 24 as we continue our sermon series, Romans, the power of God for salvation. So we're just going to get right to it. My name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor. And again, so thankful that all of you uh, could join us this morning. Okay, the human race is crazy. Can I get an amen? I mean, crazy, crazy. And here's what I mean. We are consistently inconsistent. Can I get an Amen. Consistently, like the only part that we're consistent about is being inconsistent. And it's hilarious because it's just a part of who we are as sinners. So here's just a few examples, right? Um, like what time are you getting up in the morning? You know, it's a conversation and it's like an expectation and it's like a goal and then Sometimes it's really early in the morning and you're pushing the snooze button like maybe one, two, three, 12 times, I don't know, somewhere in there. What kind of food are you in the mood for? Sometimes it's Chinese. Sometimes it's Mexican. Sometimes it's Italian. Sometimes it's just all American burgers and fries. And sometimes it's pizza. But you know what is really consistent? We're so inconsistent in what we want to eat right? It's, there's a lot, constant variety. Um, when am I going to exercise? You're like, that's a question we ask today, this week, uh, this calendar year, next decade. When are we going to do it, guys? You know, like we kind of make goals, we do the stuff, but you know what we're really consistent at? Being inconsistent about that, right? That's just how it, how it works. If you're a sports fan, What is that referee looking at anyway? You know, there's a flag on the field. What is that guy doing? You know what he's consistent at? Being inconsistent, especially against my team. Can I get a Chicago Bears amen? I'm too ashamed to talk about the other team. (laughs) Too ashamed. Um, Here's a little blast from the past. How should the church be set up every week? Now, here's a testimony from Living Waters from years ago. We used to be mobile church for 10 plus years, and so we would set up church at the gym. We would turn the gymnasium at Riverwoods Elementary School down the street, we would turn that into a church every Sunday. So we would set up chairs, and we would make rows, and we would do sections, and it was just hilarious for me because I'm there as the church planter I'm there every Sunday and we have volunteer teams and it's always wrong it's always wrong right every volunteer team has their way of doing it and if you guys were around church back then you remember how controversial this was how are we setting up the chairs how many sections how many row? how many chairs in each row and how many chairs in the room you know what and every person, especially like the type A leader organizers, are like, Pastor, you really need to get this under control. It's not my job, right? Yeah, it really needs to be consistent. Like, we do it. I'm like, yeah, I hear that every week from five different teams. Thank you very much. It got to the point, right, where a guy laminated a map of how the chairs should all look and then stuck it on the back of, we used to have this little roller thing for our, for our screen, and you could imagine that was followed 100% of the time. Okay, it wasn't. Sorry, that was supposed to be a better joke. Anyway, consistently inconsistent, right? I mean, that is the mark of being a sinner in a sin-cursed world, is that what we prefer one time, we don't prefer the next time. And we're just this walking, you know, myriad of different personalities and opinions. And then we we personally are hypocrites. We do stuff that we say we would never do, then we don't do stuff that we say we do, and all this stuff. And some of you are like Mr. or Mrs. Steady, Mr. Faithful, Mrs. Faithful, right? So you're like, yeah, Pastor, you give it to them. You give it to like you have the same breakfast every morning. You wear the same outfit all the time, right? Like multiple, t- you wash it, of course, but you, you, know, you wear it, you have your go-tos, you're super consistent, you're very faithful, right? But even the most steady and faithful among us have to admit that there are impulses and desires inside of us that don't make sense. Now, this is how the passage of Scripture is going to roll in Romans chapter 2. Paul is, is arguing from Jew to Gentile. Everyone is consistently inconsistent. And what is the reason for that anyway? Why are we so consistently inconsistent all the time? Well, it's spelled S-I-N. And if you don't understand spelling, that's sin, right? The reason we are so consistently inconsistent is because we are sinners, And we have these conflicting desires inside of us that are driven by the sinful flesh. And we just are constantly in need of correction all the time, course correction. Now, this is discouraging and it might even be depressing, but this is Paul's point. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through Romans chapter 3 verse 10, this is the whole argument of the apostle Paul. He is sharing the gospel and the first part of the gospel you might remember is not good news but bad news. If you're going to understand the good news of the gospel, you have to understand the bad news of sin. And here's what Paul is arguing. Romans chapter 3 verse 9 is going to be the crescendo of Paul's argument in Romans um, chapter 3. It says, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are all under sin. Everybody, Jews and Greeks, everyone is under sin. That is Paul's whole argument. And that is why he's going to show us how consistently inconsistent we are as sinners and he starts with in verse 12. So look with me in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So Paul is saying, if you're not under the law, if you're a Gentile, you are still going to perish without the law. And what that means is you will be judged by your conscience. And we're going to get to the conscience here in a little bit. But if you're a Jew and you are under the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets of Moses, right? Mount Sinai, all that. If you're under that law and you, you follow the commandments closely, you will be judged by the law of God. So every single one of us, we have a non-reschedulable, I don't even know if that's a word, appointment with God Almighty. Every single one of us in here. We have a date, we have a time, we have a moment where we are going to stand before God Almighty and we will be judged by God's law, the law of the conscience in the heart or the law of the word of God, the commandment that comes. So if you think you're going to die and get away with it or get away with your sin, unchecked and unchallenged and unobserved, you, my friend, need to wake up. God is going to have his moment with you. And you will give an account, and you will be accountable. And as Paul said earlier in chapter 1, all men are without excuse. So the big idea this morning in the text is this. God requires perfect obedience to his moral law to enter into heaven. And no one, Jews or Gentiles, measures up. Everyone is consistently inconsistent. So let's just walk through that again. God requires perfect obedience to his moral law in order to enter into heaven. Did you know that? I hope you did. That is how you're getting to heaven, is you have to be perfect. If God is perfect, you have to be perfect. And here's the thing, Jews and Gentiles, nobody measures up. That's the problem. None of us measure up. Zero people in this world measure up to God's holy standard. Everyone is consistently inconsistent. So that's the big idea of the text. Let's look at verse 13. It says, for it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but those who do the law who will be justified. Now let's just focus in on that phrase, the law. What is the law? Well, the law as a phrase, is mentioned 16 times in this passage alone. All God's people said, that's a law, right? 16 times the law is mentioned. And what does that mean? The law is God's unbreakable moral standard in which he reveals himself to creation through the conscience of his creation, us, our consciences, and through his commandment, specifically the Ten Commandments. Now, this is also something interesting. Paul says in verse 13, it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God. Hearing the law of God in your life does not mean that you are going to heaven, okay? You can come to church a lot of times, You can hear me preach a lot of sermons. You can hear the gospel in a Bible study lots of times. You can go to all the Sunday school classes. You can hear lots of stuff and still be far from God. Does that make sense? Unless you are born again, unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can hear lots of stuff. And Paul said, it's not hearing lots of things about God that will get you to heaven. It is doing the law that will justify you. In order to get to heaven, you have to perfectly hear the law of God and do the law of God with perfect obedience. So that leads to the obvious, what's the bad news here? A lot of bad news in this room, right? The bad news is that no one is perfectly doing, not one of us, from pastors to counselors To small group leaders, to members, to attenders, to every single person here who's a visitor, plus everybody that lives in our community, no one is doing perfectly. Can I get a witness? Right? No one. So we're consistently inconsistent. And this is how things are. So um, it's it's like that verse in Isaiah, right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Isn't that how it is? Like, we all go our own way, right? And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. And if you know the kid's song, you know what's next. Ba-ba-do-ba-ba, right? Isaiah 53, 6, who? That's how that goes. And I just totally embarrass most children. Okay. Okay. In what specific ways are sinners consistently inconsistent? So let's just address that. In what ways am I consistently inconsistent as a sinner? In what ways are you consistently inconsistent as a sinner when it comes to God's righteous standard? I'm going to give you two ways this morning. Way one is the way of the conscience, the way of the conscience. The first way in which we are consistently inconsistent is the way of the conscience. Verse 14, when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not, they do not have the law, they show the work of the law is written on their hearts. While their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So let's start at the top. Who are the Gentiles in verse 14? The Gentiles are the nations or the, the heathen. Anyone who is not an ethnic Jew is a Gentile. I would guess most, if not all of everybody in this crowd is a Gentile. So You're not an ethnic Jew. There might be a few exceptions in the room, but for the most part, this passage, this section of Scripture is for us because the heathen, they didn't grow up with the Ten Commandments. They didn't grow up with Moses. They didn't grow up with Mount Sinai. What they have is their nature. They have their consciences. Now, they show that the work of the law, God's righteous law, is written on their hearts by nature. Now, if you look at that phrase, by nature... Okay, that is the root word for physics. It's where we get our word physics, it's a, which is a study of the natural order, which means God has written on every person of creation an inherent law that is moral in the conscience where a person who is created knows that there must be a God somewhere who created all of this stuff. That is the natural progression. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this, God has set eternity in their hearts. And don't you, don't you feel that? Don't you feel that? Every funeral, every time you see someone pass away, or as you see people getting older, as you see the progression of life happen, don't you feel like, man, there's got to be eternity out there, right? That's written on every Gentile conscience. When you see the sun rise up on, in the east, Gentile, what should you think? That's God, right? When you walk down a beautiful walkway and you see the beauty of the fall trees changing color in the park or on your property, you should think that is God, right? And if I could recommend Easter Lake as a walking destination for you, I will. Because right now, this is the time. I mean, this is the time to get... On the path and walk and just look at the beauty and say, It's God, it's God. Look at God's beautiful handiwork. Also, beyond creation, there is a sense of justice or compassion in the human soul where they want relationships to be healthy. There's a sense of justice and compassion. And every historical Gentile community ever created or ever started up by man has always upheld historically God's natural laws. So any culture, anywhere, anytime, you will find the natural law of God, such as justice, honesty, compassion, good deeds, right and wrong, good and evil. You will find those natural categories within Gentile communities Because God wrote it on the heart of man to have this conscience. And if you run into any ridiculous people who are trying to deny God's existence, here is the quick way to tell another Gentile that he has or she has a conscience inside of them. One, punch them in the nose. If you are sitting with a Gentile, your pastor has solicited violence, right? I suppose, I don't know if that's the best counsel in the world. But if you punch somebody in the nose, who's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this God stuff. Punch him in the nose. You will see their sense of justice rise up within them as the anger flows through their eyeballs into yours. And they will be quick to believe in justice and they will be quick to believe in revenge, right? Don't seriously punch people in the nose, but bring up the example for people. Um, every Gentile person who's denying God's existence quickly finds their theology real fast when the cataclysmic storm system is coming to their backyard. All of a sudden, everybody's crying out to Jesus, right? So what's the deal with Gentiles? Gentiles? Here's the deal with Gentiles. Gentiles are constantly in this place where they have a conscience and God is communicating to them through natural means of creation and conscience. And they are just, they're really stirred up in their minds. They're very confused about a lot of things because there's a lot of things that are are theologically understood as sin and rebellion against God. But a Gentile, Basically, what they're doing, Paul says, is their conscience is conflicted inside of them, accusing or excusing them. So, the way sin works is you hear accusations and you hear excuses. And there's never any balance. When you're dealing with someone's conscience, the word accusing there is to judge harshly or to be harsh to bring charges, or to bring a fault. So when God reveals himself to those who don't have the Bible, there is a lot of accusation happening, and there's two ways that happens. One, toward other people. Have you met the person who accuses everybody else of everything? They don't do any wrong, but they're quick to tell you about everybody else that's done them wrong, and it's accusation, accusation, accusation all the time, right? Or have you met the person who accuses themselves a lot? Like, I'm just the worst. I can't do anything good. I, I just, look at me. Look at this accusation. Like, it's like a big tornado, right, of sin that just doesn't stop twisting faster and faster and faster. Because when you're dealing with a, a conscience that's being bothered by sin, the consistent inconsistencies is like, well, I'm going to accuse you of this, but then I'm going to accuse myself. And then they're, they're also excusing them, themselves or others, right? Have you met the person that excuses themselves all the time? They don't take any personal responsibility. They're like, yeah, the devil made me do it, or you made me do it, or that person made me do it. I don't take responsibility for that decision or that word that I said. It's everybody else that did it to me. Or if they excuse other people, like, oh, they just, I'm going to enable them in their sin. I know it's wrong. I know it's a bad perspective, but I'm just going to enable them. I'm going to give them an excuse right now. Have you seen that person? Of course. Does that person exist in your own soul? Yes. There's this accusation and excuse, tug of war, that goes on in the heart of the heathen, the Gentile, and God will hold them accountable for their consistent inconsistencies because it is absolutely going on in the Gentile mind. I watched a recorded debate on Thursday morning on YouTube, and I think it really illustrated well what Paul is talking about here. So I watched about 25 minutes of the debate, and that's all I could take. Amen? That's all I could take. I'm watching two politicians go back and forth, and you know what it was? It was this verse. Just back and forth. It was literally accusation, accusation, accusation. This person does this and said this and made this decision and did this vote and all this stuff. And the other person's like, um, excuse, excuse, excuse. Excuse myself, real quick. Here's my reasonings. I didn't do that. Accuse, 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 accuse. To the other politician who's like, okay, thanks. Excuse, 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 excuse. Accuse, 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 accuse. And back and forth we go. And this is politics. Can I get a witness? This is it. It is nothing but accusation and excuse making. And this is what is wrong with America. (laughs) It is like, it could not be more clear in verse 16 that this is what is wrong with the Gentile mind. We're so messed up in our brains that we're just back and forth all the time. And what's the standard? There is no standard. I'm the standard because I don't necessarily look to God's word as my standard. Here's the thing. This is why Gentiles are condemned by God in verse 16 because it says God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Every person will stand before God even as a Gentile and God will say, I'm going to judge you based on your own conscience and you will be found falling short of my glory. That is way number one. That's how we are consistently inconsistent. Way number two is this, the way of commandment. The way of commandment. The second way that we are consistently inconsistent is the way of commandment. Verse 17, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God. Paul is clearly addressing a whole different people group. Not a Gentile, but a Jew. And a Jew is an Israelite or a Hebrew Or during Paul's day, the word Jew would be a slang term by which they would, or a common term of how they would recognize a Jewish person because Jews come from the line of Judah. So there's a very natural way, pronunciation way, to just call them Jews. And Paul is going straight at these religious Jews in his audience and he is saying, Look, you had the privilege and the heaviness of receiving the Ten Commandments, you have Moses. You have Mount Sinai, you have the stone tablets, you have the priesthood, you have the word of God coming through thousands of years of history, you know, Jew, exactly what God expects because he spelled it out for you very specifically. You know the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt, thou shalt not, and all that stuff, right? We're going to get to those later, so start warming those up in your mind. You're going to have a little quiz on the commandments in a few minutes. But the Jews were arrogant about what they had received. Verse 19, if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, verse 20, if you're sure of this and you boast about being a Jewish person, you are arrogant in your assumptions that you are God's favorites. And I would say it would be hard not to be. If God comes down and speaks to Moses and you get a very specific word from God, it would be hard not to look at the other nations and be like, hey, we're quite a bit ahead of you guys. God kind of chose us as the favorites, not you. And Paul is saying, beware, because the way that you sin is you have this arrogant pride about who you are. And if I could just take a really quick break. Some of you grew up with this book a lot. Some of you got the word of God in your brain with all the verses and all the kids' programs, and you know the scriptures, and you've read through the Bible, and you read through it every year, and you know a lot of stuff. Some of you have a ton of knowledge, and I would just tell you to be very, very careful of arrogance in your life. Looking down on others. Being proud. Saying, oh yeah, I know all the stuff. I know all the things. You know what knowledge does? According to the word of God, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And I just want to say, if that's you, if you know um, the word of God very well, or if if God allowed you to be brought up in in a home or in a setting where the word of God was a steady diet in your life, be very careful that you do not boast falsely about your privileged position as opposed to someone else who lives down the street who does not know a single lick of the Scripture. I want Living Waters to be a humble church. Amen? Everything you have, the knowledge of Scripture that you have is a gift from God. Be on the lookout for pride in your life. Then Paul gets a little sarcastic, which I love. Verse 21 and 22. You then who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say, don't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You see the question theme, the rhythm? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? There are four times. Paul is like, do you do this? And Pastor Chad made a great observation earlier this week as we were looking at the text together, he said, man, Paul is bringing some sarcasm. And I'm like, it's my love language, baby. This is awesome. Paul is like bringing it. Like, hey, you're all about verbally saying, don't steal, don't steal. Do you steal? Do you steal? You're like, hey, no idols, no idols, no idols. Like, do you rob temples? Like, can you picture that in your mind? Like, this, this really proud Jewish person who's like, We don't believe in idolatry, you know? And out he runs with all these idols, you know, out of this shop. Like, that's what I picture in the scripture. It's awesome. And and Paul is confronting with sarcasm and just confrontational bombs here. And he's just like, hey, are you actually doing the sin that you tell other people not to do? That's the question. Are you doing the sin that you know is sinful and wrong and you tell other people not to do? Is that you? That is called hypocrisy, class. And here's the reality of of hypocrisy. It, It absolutely destroys the soul of the person who gets captured by it. And every single one of us, not only do we feel the Gentile side of sin, but we also feel the consistent inconsistency of our hearts where we're like, yeah, don't do that. And then we start doing it. Because if you're older and you've instructed younger people in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're older, you have enough experience to walk into a room or into a conversation with a younger person and say, hey, don't do that. I did that. Don't ever do that. This is the wisdom here. Listen to me. I'm trying to save you some pain here. And you have said all these things. And at times, you're like, hey, don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't do all the stuff. Kids, listen to me. I'm telling you what. And from time to time, the younger person has called you out. And they say like, hey, wait a minute. Don't you eh, fill in the blank? You've had that moment. You know you've had that moment. And you can either respond in one of two ways when you're convicted by, oh, yeah, I'm saying stuff, but I'm not living it. You can grumble, 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 stupid kids, blah, 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 walk away. Or you can do what I've done several times to my shame. I say, hey, look, listen, I'm saying the truth. This is the, the truth, okay? And do as I say, not as I what? Do. We've said that before. Do as I say, not as I do. Good illustration of this this week was I was at Advanced Auto Parts getting a new battery for my car. Young guy comes, help me put, put a new battery, blah, blah, blah. He comes out. This old guy named Fred came up. He works for Advanced Auto Parts. Nice dude. Really nice guy. In his mid-70s, he starts chatting it up, and then he asks the question, what do you do? And I'm like, I hate that question. But fine, I'll go with it. I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? Where do you pastor at? I pastor at the grocery store down the street. <laughs> And he's like, the grocery store? I said, yeah, Fairway on 22nd Street. What? They closed? <laughs> I'm like, Fred, where you been, dude? I was like four years ago. So Fred, I mean, Fred starts talking about, well, as soon as he knew I was a pastor, he started talking about church. Man, I went to church in the 50s. I went to this Baptist church, and this person took me, and my aunt picked me up, and she did all this stuff. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's wrong with the world today. And we got this young guy who's helping out as well, and he's just like, oh, get me out of this conversation. And Fred, Fred starts going off. I'll tell you what's wrong with the world today. We got young people who don't listen. We, have, we, we're just, we don't love God anymore. Our culture doesn't love God. We don't live prayer. We don't do church. We don't do all the stuff and all this. I mean, he's just like, I'm like, Fred, you're a preacher? Holy cow. And the young guy literally is just like, okay, I'm out. He goes away, he goes back inside. Fred keeps talking. And I said, Fred, hey, it's been awesome to talk to you. I said, I only got one question for you. Where do you currently go to church? And he goes, head down. Well, I don't really go anywhere. <laughs> and, and I said, Fred, don't you think you should? Don't you think you should? I said, because everything you're saying, I agree with. And everything that you're saying, I'm all on board with. I said, but you need to live it out, right? And we had a great conversation and I invited him here. But here's the thing. We all have that Jewish sense about our hearts, right? The world's just going to hell in a handbasket and all this stuff. And this is bad. And this is, I wish the world would change. You know what? How about Christians stop? Sinning and being hypocritical, and how about we start living out our faith? How about we just understand that we are consistently inconsistent, and God give us a spirit of humility. Think about the the consistent inconsistency of Jews considering the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt have no other gods before me, no other gods before me." I know, I know, Lord, but my kids, my sports, my family, my business, my money, my. I, I know what the command says, but here's my life. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord, thy God, in vain. God, I don't cuss that much. Ah, oh, word slips here and there sometimes. But that one time I was super angry and somebody else did that to me. And then sometimes I just got to vent, Lord, I got to vent. God's like, can you use some different words? Well, I guess, maybe. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. I know, Lord, you want me to rest, but I love to be busy. If the devil can't make you bad, it'll make you busy, right? And if I rest, I'll fall behind. I'm going to fall behind Joe and Janice and all the people around me. And if if I rest, I mean, they'll get ahead of me. And I know I'm really consumed with worry in my mind, Lord, but I can't shut it off and just rest and have Sabbath in my soul. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I know, Lord, I shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm just not in love with my spouse anymore. Lord, I, I, I'm I, I just I know I know it's probably wrong, but but what's wrong with a little pornography? What's wrong with a little pornography in my life? Thou shalt not covet. I know, Lord, but I really want a new car. I really want a new house. I really want a new clothes. I want what so and so has. You know, that person that's up on a pedestal in my mind. I want to be like them. Consistently inconsistent. You feel it? We are so inconsistent in living up to what God's word says. And the final bow on the present is this verse 24. As it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. This, This one, I mean, it gets me emotional thinking about this verse. Jewish sin is such that you know the commandments of God and you choose to disobey those commandments in such a way that the name of God, God, the most beautiful being in all the world, the most glorious reality of our lives. God who is true God of true gods. His name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of your sin. Which means people look at you and say, I don't buy it. I don't want that God. We are consistently inconsistent. Every single one of us is a sinner, Gentiles, Jews, you, me, this world. You know, as we close, it's almost like we need a savior or something. It's almost like we need a consistent savior. A son of God to identify with our weaknesses. Someone who's not like us. Someone who consistently and perfectly didn't violate his conscience and didn't violate the commands of God. Well, praise the Lord, we can talk now about Jesus. As inconsistently as we live, Jesus Christ is the way, man. He is the truth. He is the life, and he is the consistent one. Let me just tell you a couple things as we close. Jesus responded beautifully to His in his conscience to God's creation. Jesus never struggled with a guilty conscience. Can you believe that? Not once. Here's what I mean. He was born in a stable. How much more humble does it get than that? He consistently received God's general revelation through creation. He was outdoors a lot. And as he was a carpenter, I would guess he was outdoors all the time, working with God's creation, working with materials, making things. When he started teaching, Jesus told everybody that the world and the solar system and the stars and everything pointed to God, everything. He was right in step in his conscience in pointing people to God. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River outside. What a beautiful moment, right? We did baptisms up here in this nice, clean trough last week. The Jordan River is a bit more dirty than that. Amen? Just a, just a bit. But Jesus gets baptized out in the Jordan River with John the Baptist. He When he teaches, he teaches about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He was one who made stormy waves peaceful. And if you're a Gentile sinner, he takes the stormy waves of your accusations and your excuse making, and he gives you peace. That's awesome. Jesus multiplied fish and bread to feed thousands, and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And even as he was hung on the cross, it was a cross made out of a natural tree. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Jesus Christ never never was inconsistent with his conscience. What about the commandments? How did Jesus do there? He responded beautifully to God's commandments as well. He said he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. Jesus Christ said that to know the word of God or the command of God was to know the power of God. And if I could say one thing to some of you, Some of you I know are struggling with depression and anxiety, like like major. And you're praying to God, but you're not intaking his word. The reason your anxiety persists and it continues to get worse is because it's a one-way conversation right now. The power of God is in the word of God. And some of you need to just receive the word of God this week every day. And you'll find your soul to be in a much better place. Sidebar over. Jesus was the word made flesh, died on the cross. His and as he died on the cross, scripture was on his lips. Jesus couldn't stop talking about the word even as he died. Jesus rose from the dead in accordance with the scriptures, the commands. And he now commands that all people everywhere believe in him for their salvation and as Lord of the universe. And he has sent all Christians out on a mission to make disciples of all nations. Jesus Christ was consistently consistent, amen? Consistently consistent, and he still is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13 8. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to worship you in the Word. Thank you that we can respond now and worship. God, we feel the brokenness of our sin nature, that we are consistently inconsistent, so broken. Lord, our thoughts and our sins, they Accuse and they excuse. And and Lord, we don't keep the commandments as much as we should, often falling short. That's the bad news. God, the good news is that Jesus Christ never sinned. He was consistent for us, and oh God, now I pray that we would just receive him. That we would receive Jesus Christ Lord, for every Christian who's already going to heaven, I pray that they would find fresh joy in seeing the consistency of Jesus. Lord, they put their faith and trust for growth and change in Christ. And Lord, I pray for those who are just, man, they're just looking, they're just looking right now for anything that resembles light and hope. Lord, they feel the weight of their inconsistencies, and Lord, I pray that for the first time they would just release. That there be no trappings of fakiness or anything of like that. It'd just be an open heart, open mind, to repent of sin and get right with Jesus and believe. God, just do surgery in our hearts. Just do things right now. Help us to respond by Your grace in Christ's name.